Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. This is a Locker Room production. But Shaken Red Nation, it's Jeremy Brenner here, and tonight we're recapping Rockets, Nuggets, and man, that was difficult to watch. The Rockets fall once again to the Denver Nuggets. Final score, Nuggets 128, Rockets 99, and that is... Basically how the game went. You know, when you lose by 30, it's because the other team totally and absolutely outplayed you. And there was really no point during this game where the Rockets really had a shot. Before the game, during the game, now after the game, of course, no shot. But, I mean, here, the Nuggets, and I get it, the Nuggets are one of the best teams in the league, as they should be. Nikola Jokic, if he isn't the MVP, he's the runner-up for the MVP. He had 29 and 16 tonight to go with seven assists. And Jokic was Jokic. And the Rockets don't have a guy that is better than Nikola Jokic. The best player for the Rockets is far from Nikola Jokic's talent. And I just, you know, and that's what happens. That's what happens when you don't have a superstar on your team. You're going to lose a lot of games. And that's what we've seen this season. And that's why this result tonight should surprise nobody. So the Rockets, they just, you know, everyone kind of thought that, you know, maybe it'd be like the last couple of games where the Rockets go down 20 and a half, and they're like, okay, well, they're going to put up a nice little comeback. And I think they they were down by as little as about 14 in the second half, but the Nuggets put the foot on the gas. They recognize that the Rockets have a tendency to do this, and they they game plan for it, then they game planned really well for it. So that's why the lead ended up ballooning to as much as 29. And that's, you know, not fun. And I think at this point, we're kind of getting to the point in the season where it's like, all right, we're just counting down the days now until this is over. Uh, to this this day, uh, exactly one month from now is when the season ends. So we have one, we're in the final month of the season, guys. One more month of torture. And we'll be in the off season, and that's when the real rocket season begins. Let's let's keep that in perspective here. This is a lost season for the Rockets, and it has been for a very long time. Tonight is no different, as the Rockets lose by nearly thirty tonight. So, I guess I'm tired of talking about negatives. So I'll discuss some positives. I I thought Kelly Olynyk played well tonight, but I mean. I don't really care how much about I. I'll be honest. I'm not a big Kelly Olynyk guy. I, I think that a lot of people are, and I think he's been playing well, and I'm and I'm happy for him. But and I know I kind of like 
hide behind this, you know, oh, Kelly Olenek is a monster, you know. But I saw this thing, um, like, I saw this article from Space City Scoop from Anthony Duckett, and he basically insinuated that the Rockets fleeced the Miami Heat in the Oladipo trade. And I just, yeah, I just don't agree with it because – even though, yes, Kelly Olenek is playing far better than Victor Oladipo is. Victor Oladipo is obviously not playing. The best ability is availability. And Kelly Olenek has been far more available than Victor Oladipo has in the weeks since the trade. However, Kelly Olenek's a free agent at the end of the season for a Rockets team. And since the Rockets acquired Kelly Olenek, it's not like the Rockets have been, you know, like that much better. Yes, it looks better game-wise, but, I mean, still, the wins and losses are not in in that regard. The Rockets have won two games since they've acquired Kelly Olenek. They have lost 11. So they're 2-11 with Kelly Olenek. So it's not like... So I don't understand how you can fleece a team when you do get the better player in the trade, at least for now, but you're 2-11. It's like saying that, you know... It's like saying that you won the trade because you got, like... Like it's like saying, "Oh, I got I got three nick I got three pennies," and saying you won the trade because you got more coins instead of a nickel. Like, look, that, like that trade for the Heat was a very low risk, high reward. Like they knew there was issues with Oladipo and his health, but they weren't giving up too much. They gave up an expire two expiring contracts in that in that deal, and a trade swap that may or may not help the Rockets that much anyway. So. It's not like the Rockets really, like, like, yes, do I think the Rockets won that trade? Yes, because they got something out of Oladipo. But it's not like the Rockets didn't fleece the Heat. Let's be real here. They did not fleece the Heat at all. They they simply, yes, they won the trade slightly. And if they do sign Kelly Olenek in the offseason, that helps. But at this point right now, Kelly Olenek is on the worst team in the NBA, and and as Minnesota is about to, they're up six with less than a minute to go, this would officially make the Rockets the worst team in the NBA by record. So I think, like, that doesn't do anything. It doesn't solve anything for for the Rockets at the end of the day. It, look, if they sign him, cool. I, personally, I don't think Kelly Olenek is resigning. I think that he will go elsewhere simply because – he is going to want to win. Like he's, he's been on winning teams more often than not in his career. I don't understand why, like if he wants to chase a bag, sure. Houston might be that place for him, but it also probably isn't in Houston's best interest to sign Kelly Olenek long-term because they can go out and get a younger, a younger guy that will better fit the timeline of this team because the timeline of this team does not feel like Kelly Olenek's timeline. This timeline he fits guys like Jay Sean Tate, Kevin Porter, KJ Martin, may, uh, for right now Christian Wood, although depending on how the team does next year, it could affect his timeline. But those are the timelines where this team makes sense for those guys, right? They're, it's a rebuilding team, guys that are on the rise. Vinny says in the chat, Tate is a monster. Dude plays with heart and soul, absolutely. We, uh, that's something that we have seen night in, night out. This season and tonight was no different for Jay Sean Tate. I never have anything really negative to say about Jay Sean Tate. He was 9 of 13 from the field and with a 21 points, only too shy of the team high that Kelly Olenek had with 23. So, I mean, like, like we have efficient guys, but 
I'm more concerned about Kevin Porter going one of nine from the field. I'm more concerned about Christian Wood only getting 10 shots up. Like, I know he had Jokic on him, and I think that was part of it. He only played 24 minutes. I get that. But that is who the team needs to run through. And I've, I've been very vocal about that throughout the last couple of weeks. And so I care about Kevin Porter's stats. I care about Jayshon Tate's stats. I care about Christian Wood's stats. I care about their games. I care about KJ and somewhat, and right now, Armani Brooks, just because I kind of, I like the guy. Like, I, I like him playing. But Armani Brooks tonight, only four points for him. Like, he's really calmed down, come back to earth a little bit since that Monday game. I know, like, on Twitter, I, I kind of, you know, hyped him up. And, you know, I think any time a rookie plays or any time, like, someone makes their debut for the Rockets, of course I'm going to hype him up because it's fun to do that. It's it's fun to, like, just totally, like, hype a dude up because he's new. Like, just for the sake of him being new. And I think that was the novelty with, with guys. Kevin Porter, but in a way, especially with Kelly Olenek and Armani Brooks, that novelty is worn off. That novelty is worn off for me. And Kelly Olenek is good. He's definitely helped the Rockets be a lot more, uh, a lot more competitive. And so, but tonight was not the case. Look, and the Rockets, for the most part, since they acquired Kelly Olenek, have been competitive. But tonight was just not one of those nights. So CT is a Nuggets guy. He has requested to come up, so I'm going to let him come up. CT, welcome to the Dream Take, my friend. How are you? What's going on, Jeremy? How are you doing? Uh, I wish the Rockets played a little bit better tonight, but other than that, I'm doing pretty all right. Yeah, I mean, I I actually thought there were some good takeaways, though, for the Rockets. Um, I'm a big uh, big Tate fan. Um, I, I think it's hard to not be a fan of that, man. He is, yeah. he is the best player of all time. <laughs> Jay Sean Tate. But- uh, little known fact, he was actually on the Nuggets Summer League team going back to 2018, I think. Ah, so, this was, so this was a revenge game. Yeah, it was a revenge yeah, game for him. Tw- yeah, 21 points for, for uh, Jay Sean Tate tonight. And look, like, but as I mentioned earlier, like, we we are accustomed to this from Jay Sean Tate. Like, this is what we expect from him. And he puts it out on the line every night. He's a very grit and grind player. And he gives, look, if... And he's the kind of guy that I want the Rockets to mold their identity after. I, I think he, you need a guy like him. He, he fits like that team, like Draymond Green, Patrick Beverly, Tony Allen, like archetype that I think every successful team needs, right? right? So hopefully down the line when the Rockets are good again, he'll be that player for us. But yeah, look, tonight I, I watch every Rockets game. Or like I watch, you know, at least a good majority of every Rockets game. And tonight, compared to the games that we've seen previously, there wasn't too much to take away from this particular game. Like, yes, Jayshon Tate's good, but we we knew that already. Like, and he get and he continues to improve. And but we knew that he was good already. Like, there wasn't anything from this game that I think the Rockets are going to take away and take with them moving forward. Like, Kevin Porter had four points. Like, this was not a good game for him, obviously. Christian Wood played limited action, only 15 minutes. Obviously, he had Nikola Jokic on him for most of the game. So that, obviously, is part of the reason why those numbers are a little bit lower. But there's not much you can really do when when Nikola Jokic is on the opposing team. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, like you said, I definitely agree with you about Tate. I think think Kevin Porter is probably the best prospect that you guys have. Mm -hmm. Um, Obviously, had a tough night tonight. Um, I think for him, he probably should have tried to be more aggressive offensively. 
Will Barn is not a really that good of a defender. Uh, Monte Morris isn't really either. I thought he could have been a little bit more aggressive. Kind of played a little bit passive, I thought. But, uh, yeah, for Tate, I mean, he's he's really, really good. I mean, he's mm-hmm. very physical. He could probably play a little bit of small ball four even. He could shoot the ball, which is pretty good. Uh, very, very good defender. I actually would have liked to see him a little bit more on Porter Jr. tonight. He actually, I don't know why I wasn't guarding him, but yeah, maybe just a little taller. But, I mean, I think the Rockets have, you know, Porter's good. I think Tate's, you know, Tate was a very good surprise this year. I think the Rockets have definitely a piece to build around. Then you look at their pick situation coming up. I mean, I think they're, you know, there's definitely optimism going forward. There, there definitely is optimism. I'm, I'm being a little, you know, I'm, and for the most part, I am an optimist tonight, though. I just... I didn't like what I saw tonight. I just thought right, that right. they they played really flat all game. Like they, like usually what we've seen the last couple of games, right, is they they go down a lot, but then in the second half they they play a little bit more inspired and they pull within a reasonable you know margin, and then the tank commander you know comes back in to play, and and then they realize that you know they are tanking and they are going to lose this game. But tonight we didn't get that. Like the Nuggets put the foot on the gas and. They they cut the Rockets cut it to fourteen in the second half, but they were able to. But the Nuggets were able to pull away. And look, I honestly, I'll say this: I was a big fan of the Nuggets when they when they got Aaron Gordon, and they were my pick to come out of the West for maybe two seconds, and then and then and then Jamal went down, and I and I felt horrible. And I, you know, I guess CT, I guess I'm speaking for for myself. I feel really bad for for the Nuggets fans, but I want to get your thoughts on it and and how you see this team's outlook moving forward without Jamal Murray. I think, you know, clearly tonight they look fine, but unfortunately, CT, you're not going to face the Rockets in the playoffs or a team that is similar to the caliber of the Rockets in the playoffs. So what do you think the Nuggets are going to look like come playoff time without Jamal? Who's going to really take over his role on offense? And what do you think their ceiling is now? Right. Definitely, you know, obviously Murray's – Injury is a huge blow. I mean, even just as far as their contract situation for next year, um, you know, basically we're missing him for another year off his max deal. Um, we saw what he did in the playoffs last year. You know, he was incredible versus the Jazz, incredible versus the Clippers and, and getting to the Western Conference Finals. Um, yeah, but I thought the takes, you know, after the Murray injury were kind of, you know, they were burying the Nuggets saying, oh, this team's finished. And I think Monte Morris has his faults, but he's arguably the best backup point guard in the league. He'd be a starter on, I think, multiple teams in the NBA. Um, but I think, you know, going back to your question about who's the guy who has to step up, I mean, obviously Jokic is Jokic, and, you know, he's probably the MVP of the league. Um, I think his production, he's probably going to have to have an uptick in his his play going forward. But I think the guy that we're looking at is Michael Porter Jr. Mm-hmm. Um, in his second year, um, his numbers this year have been insane as far as efficiency goes. Um, very good three-point shooter. Um, you know, I think – him cutting with Jokic, uh, him in the two-man game, I think that's going to have to be the bread and butter for the uh, the Nuggets going forward. And, uh, you know, like you mentioned before, Aaron Gordon, um, you know, their big acquisition uh, the trade deadline, I think he's going to have to have an uptick in his minutes and, and his touches as far as the playmaker goes, as far as, uh, you know, their best perimeter defender. And, um, you know, as far as the bench, you know, Paul Millsap is still capable. Jamichael Green is still pretty good. Um, I think P.J. Dozier is a pretty big X factor for them as far mm-hmm. as the wing defender. I really and, like PJ. Uh, yeah, he, his, tonight he was a little off. Mm-hmm. And he was kind of rushing a little bit, but he's been pretty good over the past two weeks. Um, and y'all signed Austin Rivers. We did. Yeah, we which, did sign Austin Rivers. You know, he didn't play yeah. tonight, which uh, that would have been quite the revenge game right there. But, yeah. I mean, the thing with Austin Rivers, I actually think he's going to play 
a decent like he needs get he needs to get some playing time before the playoffs so that he can incorporate himself with the team and like the regular season ends a month from today so right. it it's gonna cut it close but Austin Rivers can still score like I think people Absolutely. forget people forget that he had forty one in the bubble last year against you know Sacramento but I mean still has a lot of capabilities uh, as as a scorer and you know the way I, I kind of looked at it. From from my perspective, which is a very limited one, considering that I don't follow the Nuggets quite as closely as I do the Rockets, but it was going to be like uh, Monty Morris was going to step in, obviously, as the starter. Right. Michael Porter Jr. would have the biggest responsibility, but it's going to be a we're going to have to replace Jamal by committee, whether right. it be whether it be Rivers, MPJ, Jokic, Will Barton, too, Will Barton, Aaron Gordon, yeah. like everyone's going to have to chip in a little bit more to create somewhat of a whole Jamal Murray. And, like, I don't know if they have enough – like, I don't know if that will be enough. But to be honest, though, this is going to come down to the, – the West playoffs and the playoffs in general are going to come down to who's healthy and right. the matchups. And exactly. I'll say this. Like, at this point, like, before I was high on the Nuggets, I was re- – no pun intended. But before I was high on the Nuggets, the Lakers were obviously my team because I'm a very big – proponent like in you know you're the champs until proven otherwise and then the nuggets started having this real solid streak where they looked unbeatable and right now i'm kind of back on that lakers train just because i just don't know if because they're gonna get healthy right at the right time right and it's gonna come down to these matchups and like you but you saw today like like donovan mitchell got hurt now i don't know if that injury is gonna force him out of the playoffs I don't think it will, considering the MRI or the or the well, he got like an MRI and he got an X-ray during the game and it came back negative and he's going to get an MRI I think tomorrow or today. But like it's going to cut like this whole month, so much more can happen and it's going to come down to who's healthy come playoff time and the matchups. And Absolutely. personally, like if the Nuggets Lakers go four or five, like personally, I think the two toughest teams to beat in the West are the Nuggets and the Lakers. So like. It, that'd be a real difficult first-round matchup that I think could go six or seven. And you obviously know the Nuggets want the Lakers' number, considering how last year ended. But, right, like, who – I'll say the CT. If you got to choose your pick, who do you want in the playoffs? So, yeah, definitely the one team I don't want is the Lakers, um, just because they have size. And, and Davis is a tough, mat- tough matchup for Jokic as far as uh, defensively goes. And, uh, you know, missing Jamal Murray is obviously a big blow. Um as far as their offense and uh, the probably the most favorable matchups that I would like are probably the Suns. I'm not scared of the Suns in the least bit. Um, I think they're relatively inexperienced other than Chris Paul in the playoffs. And that's a pretty big factor that people aren't really uh, taking into account. I think as far as playoff experience goes. And also uh, I'm a little bit pessimistic about the Clippers just because Murray's not uh, available, but I probably go with the Suns, the, the trailblazers. I would I would really like to face them as well. I don't think they're they're a very good matchup. Um, and also the Mavericks, I'm a little bit uh, more nervous compared to the Suns and the um, and the Blazers. But I think those are probably the two most favorable matchups. But uh, I actually wanted to ask you, now that Mitchell's injured, do you think the Suns are going to uh, shoot for the one seed? Oh, I think the Suns have already been shooting for the one seed. I, I just think that, like, because Chris Paul, when he was in Houston, the big thing with him was, and and that team was, they're going to shoot for the one seed. Because right. Chris Paul, Chris Paul doesn't, 
manage his load like other guys do. Like, I don't know if Chris Paul plays every game, and like, but he he doesn't sit that often. If he if he ever sits, like, I want to I want to say that you know, let me look up how many games he's played this year because that man he he stayed really healthy this year, and like he's played fifty four games. I want to say that's every game. Maybe he's missed one game. Yeah, he seems to have so played. They're forty and they're forty and fifteen. So he's missed one game this season. So as That's long as Chris Paul can stay healthy, like the Suns are definitely gunning for the number one seed because I think playing at home is going to benefit a team like the Suns that isn't as experienced in the playoffs. I mean, they do also have Jay Crowder, who's been to the fi- who went to the finals last year, so there is that also. But granted, you know Booker and and DeAndre Ayton, two of your three best players, have never seen a playoff game before. So you do like you need to keep them as comfortable as possible come playoff time and playing at home I think will definitely help that for those two guys and and also Mikel Bridges so I think the Suns are definitely gunning for the number one seed Utah is also a team that's definitely gunning for that number one seed as well and but also at the same time I don't think the one seed is going to matter as much come playoff time because it is going to be more about those matchups especially right. considering the fact that you know no no stadium is going to have or no arena is going to have full capacity. So it's not like you're going to have that much of an advantage, like with the noise in the arena and stuff like that. But the advantage comes in the fact that you're shooting at rims that you've played, you know, 40 plus games this season already. You're sleeping in your own bed. You're able to, you know, you're just, you're familiar surroundings. You're in the locker room. Like, I think that routine aspect really helps players. Um, and it's gonna, you know, we'll see if it makes that much of a difference this year because, you know, these players haven't had the, this kind of playoffs in two years. And granted, you know, and some players weren't even in those, weren't even in that playoff run. So it, it's, I think it's really gonna come down to matchups. I don't think it's gonna come down to who has, who's the higher seed, who isn't. Cause also at the same time, Clippers could play the Lakers and, and there you go. And the Clippers are also gonna be a real tough out. We haven't really talked about them too much. They're kind of, the way that I see it is the Nuggets and the Lakers are really, like, neck and neck to me. I feel like they're very similar. I feel like the Suns and the Jazz are also very similar in the way that they, you know, they just sh- shoot the lights out uh, from three, and they they challenge you to beat them through that. But the Clippers are a little bit of both. They, they, like, to, they like to, you know, pour it on, but also defensively is where their strengths are. So I think that... Like, the Clippers are a weird team for me because I could see them... Like, I don't think they're a worse matchup for anybody. I don't think anyone's saying, we want the Clippers. Which puts them in a really difficult spot, right? It puts them in a... and But also, at the same time, the Clippers have proven that they can choke in the playoffs. Right, right. So, they also have something to prove. And... But to be honest, at the end of the day, like... We could run the simu- we could simulate these playoffs a hundred times, and I think that we would get five different champions. I think there are scenarios where the Jazz come out the West, the Suns come out the West, the Clippers come out the West, the Lakers come out the West, and the Nuggets come out the West. Right. So no, it really, I, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it really makes for a very interesting, interesting West playoffs. And honestly, like, so let me ask you this: kind of going back to my original question. What do you think the Nuggets ceiling is still? Because I, I feel like in in hearing your answers, you don't feel as pessimistic as most people do. Like, I think a lot of people wrote them off after Jamal Murray went down, but I don't think you are, CT. So 
tell me what you think their ceiling is and where do you think this team will actually go? Right. I definitely, you know, the thing that I've kind of maintained throughout the year is that if the Nuggets have Jokic, I think they can win any series. I think he has, he probably has a, um, has a case as being the best player in a series. He's, mm-hmm. He might win the MVP this year. Um, you know, like I said, if, if Jokic was out and, and Murray was in, I would feel more pessimistic because obviously Jokic is better. But um, I, I really feel confident that they can win a, a round one matchup as long as it's not the Lakers. The Clippers, I feel a little, uh, you know, less optimistic about. The Jazz, I think they could beat. I think they could beat the Suns. I think they could beat the Blazers just because they have a lot of playoff experience. And like I said, Monte Morris is not a bad point guard. He's arguably a starting caliber point guard in the league. Um, you know, Michael Porter Jr. is taking a leap. I think he's going to have to step up. I think he's capable of doing it. But like you said, I think it's going to come down to matchups and who's playing against who. And, and like you said, I think the um, the idea that there's not any fans in the building, it's basically like another bubble scenario pretty much. So I don't think that's going to be be that big of a difference. But I think the playoffs are going to be interesting, you know, especially um, seeing who the Jazz face and, and their kind of road to, to the finals and who the Suns face as well. I think a Clippers-Lakers first round would be a really, really interesting series. I'd probably take the Clippers in that matchup just because the playoffs is, is based on matchups and, and who's playing who. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I think Kawhi and, and Paul George versus LeBron and Davis, I think, would be a really nice matchup. But I would I would probably go with the Clippers in, the, in that Yeah. Game. So as of as of tonight, every game is – every as we're recording this, every game tonight is done except for New York and Dallas. So it doesn't really affect – the top the top six of the of the West playoffs, but the the Utah Jazz won this afternoon. They're a game and a half ahead of the Suns, who are number two. The Clippers sit four games back of Utah and two and a half back of Phoenix. Denver is in a really tough position if you want to get out of that Lakers series because they are two games back of the Clippers and right. two games ahead of the Lakers. So you're gonna need either you're going to need to jump the Clippers by two games, or you need the Lakers to jump you and the Clippers by four games. Right. So, because if, if if you flip flop with the Lakers, it's the same four or five matchup. Just you you got home court advantage, or you don't. But so so right now, the chances of a Nuggets Lakers first round series are looking pretty good. Um, not not good for you, CT. <laughs> if, right, you're, right. if you're not if you're not feeling that Lakers matchup, right. and especially if and but who knows? Like, and the Lakers also sit two games ahead of the Portland Trailblazers. So there's like very consistent uh, margins between uh, three, four, five, and six. So right. it's like, but hey, there's a lot of basketball still left to be played. There's uh, about sixteen ish. There's sixteen games left in the Nuggets schedule. So they if they go say like ten and six, they'll be forty six and twenty six, and that could land them. You know, maybe that maybe that could help them jump the Clippers. I think that's your best bet if you want to avoid the Lakers. And considering the Nuggets schedule, I mean, do you have the Nuggets like like recent schedule like popped up in your head right now? Sure, let me pull that up right now. I, yeah, I, think... I can pull up. I have it right here. So okay, um, you got you know Memphis at Portland at Golden State, Houston. So another win uh, for for oh, for Denver, uh, Memphis. So a lot of like fringe playoff teams right there, Memphis. Golden State, New Orleans. Right. They play the Lakers and the Clippers to start May. They have a very winnable – they have a lot of winnable games in their schedule down the stretch. And, and that, you know, doesn't even include teams that won't play all their guys. And, and I honestly think it's just, you know, 
it's going to come down to those seven games. Because, look, if you, you can make the case that Jamal Murray, if you were playing, can beat any team. Right. But at this point, he's not. And he's not coming back, unfortunately. But that's, that's what makes this so frustrating. Because, you know, I, I'll say this. Because as, as a team that, you know, here's my thing. I, I know I have a very different take than this, than most people do. But I consider the large markets to be New York, Los Angeles, and Miami. Right. I don't, I don't consider Houston. Houston's a big city. Houston's a large city. Houston's not a large market. Right. And the only large markets are those three teams because those are the only three cities that can sell a player on the city alone and they will go. It, it sold LeBron. It sold, you know, to, to an extent, Anthony Davis. Um, right. It sold Kawhi. It sold, uh, you know, Victor Oladipo, Jimmy mm-hmm. Butler. Like, it, those are the guys that it's Kevin Durant and Kyrie both Kyrie went to Brooklyn home, yeah. because, it was, right. because it was Brooklyn. So I don't like to see those guys win because I, I do feel a little bit cheated in the fact that the Lakers were so bad for so long, they just happened to land LeBron because they're in Los Angeles and they won a championship within two years, whereas the Rockets, they – were battling in the playoffs year after year, growing that team as much as they could. And one wrong move ruined their best title hope. And right. they, and that team, that team, that mid 2010s Rockets teams will never be looked at the same because they had one small slip up. And so I just think that, so, so it frustrates me to see the Lakers a little bit, um, to to see them doing as well as they are, so I do root for teams like Denver, Phoenix, uh, Utah, right? To to get out of the West because it will it will in a way I, I do see the Rockets in them and like Nikola Jokic is, is has similarities to James Harden in the fact that he's often underrated, he's overlooked because he doesn't play in a large city, a large market, I should say, and you know, and he deserves an MVP like. I hate to say this, CT. I think I think Jokic deserves the MVP. I think tonight proved that. I think I, I think agree. I think Embiid's going to get it. Um, That's possible for sure. And and that and we in Houston know so well about our guy getting robbed of the MVP because <laughs> it's happened before multiple times. Right. So I, I I empathize with you there. And if you know later in the season, if you feel. Um, some type of way, just know that we are with you in solidarity and we relate with you, man. <laughs> no, I, was, I definitely agree with you too about, you know, the small markets and, uh, you know, Harden and Jokic having similarities. I was definitely a big fan of, of Harden when he was in Houston and, uh, <laughs> you know, him having the, a case for the MVP as well. And like you said about the Lakers, I mean, they, before they got LeBron, before they got Davis, their team building was very bad. I mean, look at the draft picks they had. They weren't any any good. I mean, Randall's good now, but he developed that over time. I mean, look at D'Angelo Russell. I mean, it's okay. Mm-hmm. It's decent. I mean, look at all the other guys as well that they got. Clarkson's, I mean, he's good bench piece now, but that team that they had would have been probably a fringe playoff team if they didn't get um, LeBron and Davis. Yeah. CT, so. I appreciate your time, man. Uh, feel free to plug anything you're working on. I know you're a writer, so feel free to plug your stuff and uh, as you sign off. Uh, yeah, so I got a couple draft pieces coming out. I don't know if you're 
Are you looking forward to the draft coming up? With I am very much looking forward to the draft, considering that I have a dog in the race this year. So, yeah, yep. yes. Yep, so I'll have, I'll have some pieces coming out. Uh, I usually do three prospects in one article, um, so I'll be detailing them as, as the, uh, the names. The early entrants start coming out more and more. Uh, so you can find that at crownhoops.com, and uh, you can just follow me on Twitter at ctfazio. But, uh, Jeremy, thanks for having me on, man. It was good talking uh, sure, Nuggets boss. And, and Rockets game and, and the NBA. Yep, and good luck to your Nuggets, my man. Thank you. Talk to you. Yeah. All right, that was C.T. Fazio of Crown Hoops. So I just want to talk more about tonight, uh, about Sunday's game against Orlando. I don't want to say too much about Orlando because there could be uh, some conflict of interest there considering I am an employee of the Orlando Magic. And that's a little, you know, I guess cross, but I will be at the game on Sunday. So it's my, I guess this is my first Rockets game that I've officially attended in a long time, but I will be there for business purposes. I will not be watching the game. I will be at the game. Um, so, but after that game, you, you can check us here back on locker room. Uh, we have Ray Lucas and Michael Brown with your recap. I might be able to hop in um, on that recap as well, but I will be at the game. Uh, not watching it and working, doing and earning my earning my coin. So we'll see if I w- will be able to join. Hopefully, I will be able to join just for a little bit, um, just to talk to you guys. But basically, this game against Orlando, I really want the Rockets to come out of this game and contend from the get go. Right? I want them to win the game in the first quarter. I want them to. I don't want them to dig a hole in the first half like they've been doing these last couple of games and. I don't want these games to be seen as like a fluke, right? Where, because in the last couple of games, we've seen this pattern a lot recently where they, they dig themselves a hole in the first round, in the first half. And in the second half, they pull themselves out of it. And to me, that is a bit of a flawed logic, right? That they are able to do this and, and we should be impressed by this. Now, don't get me wrong. They are competing against really good teams. They've, They've competed with Phoenix twice in the last two weeks. They've competed with the Clippers. You know, the game against Indiana was really close. But tonight, like, they didn't compete at all. And Orlando is a very winnable game. And it's a game that they can win early on. I don't want them to have to dig a hole. Because I think what we've seen here is when teams go up 20 points, they tend to, you know, they tend to keep, you know, put the put the plane in airplane mode or put the plane on autopilot. That's what I was looking for. Yeah. The, the, is a plane in airplane mode? A plane has to be in airplane mode, right? In order for it to work because like, isn't that a plane? But anyway, the Rockets need to be able to contend right out the gate in this one. That's my big key for Sunday is that they just go out and contend from the get go. And whether they blow them out, win by a few, lose by a few, I don't really care. As long as they play four quarters of solid basketball. I don't want to see two quarters of good basketball. I don't want to see three. I want to see four. I don't think it's too much to ask for with this team. Because it's they're capable of doing that. They've done it against Dallas. They've, they've played well against Minnesota. Like they, this is, They're very capable of playing, putting together four good quarters of basketball. And I just want to see that against a team. Because that will give me hope, right? Because I don't want... Like, I've said it before. So... When you play Phoenix, you go down 20, and then you come back because Phoenix doesn't give a damn when they're playing you. Like, they know they're going to win the game. So, they're, of course, they're going to they're gonna relax a little bit. And that allows the Rockets to creep back in because teams don't have their guard up. So, 
that to me is a slight red flag considering the fact that teams like the the only reason the Rockets are close in these games is because teams are kind of letting them come back and kind of like, Oh, I'm sorry. Like, you know, I feel bad for you. So we're going to go easy on you guys. Like this is like the Rockets are the JV of the NBA. They're the G league of the NBA. They are the worst team in the NBA by record. Now, officially, this is the first time. I don't know when the last time the Rockets were the worst team in the NBA. It's been a minute. Like I wonder, so let me, let's try to pull this up. So the Rockets, I'm, I'm going to go back to 2001, 2002, because that's like the closest uh, time in which they could have been possibly the worst team. But they were 28 and 54 that season. And the standings, let me look at the standings. But, man, like, it, it's really hard to be the worst team in the NBA. And the Rockets are that. So congratulations, Rockets. Congratulations. They were the 11th seed, but they ended up, getting lucky with that number one pick. So it's, they have not been the worst team in the NBA in this millennium. That's how long it's been guys, since the Rockets have been the worst in the nineties. They clearly weren't that probably it's been 1985 or it was probably 1984. That was the worst. The, when the Rockets were the worst team in the NBA yeah, 29 and 53. And they weren't, they weren't even that because uh, the Pacers were 26 and 56. So the Rockets didn't even have the worst record that year. So I don't even want to go back that far because now we're going back into, you know, 40 plus years since the Rockets have been the worst team in the NBA. So congratulations, Rockets. You have definitely made history and definitely made your mark. But I promise, guys, I know tonight was rough and I'm not my cheery self usually, but hopefully there will be light at the end of this tunnel. And I'm sure there will be. You know, we, we've seen signs of it, and I think tonight the rock, I think tonight was a rough night. It's one of many to come, and we'll have rough nights continuing throughout the season and next season, and probably the season after that, and maybe the season after that. But hopefully one day this Rockets team will be a team that we can see for ourselves as a team that we are super excited to watch and feel like they have a chance to win a title because that's what it's all about at the end of the day you want to win a championship and in order to do that the Rockets have to endure these tough times you know it's like that movie Inside Out where like the they, with, like the little emotions with like Amy Poehler and stuff and like all of the emotions especially joy hated sadness because like why would you like sadness but at the end of the movie she realizes that you can't have joy without sadness so I'm going to use that here. You can't have a championship without tough times. And it ultimately, at the end of the day, it makes it a little bit more worthwhile. Because when the Rockets do hopefully win another championship someday, you're going to remember these times. And it's only going to make it that much more special. So with that, I'm going to leave you guys off tonight. But thank you guys so much for tuning in. Thank you to the crowd that came to listen live on Locker Room. Thank you to CT for hopping in to talk nuggets with me. Um, we will continue and I'm not bringing back cause, uh, for the draft coverage that we'll have after the season, you know, the draft lottery is only a couple months away. Draft is at the end of July. That is definitely what we're going to be focusing on a lot more. Once this hellish season comes to an end in a month's time, guys, only one more month, but be sure to check all of our coverage out 
on the dreamshake.com home of all things Houston Rockets on espionation.com. You can follow us on Twitter at the dream take and at dreamshake SBN. Give us a like on Facebook. If you're over there, we have half of our episodes of the dream take live on Facebook after the game. Michael Brown does his thing over there and be sure to subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen to your podcasts. We'll be back on Sunday for another episode here live on locker room. So be sure to check us out then. And thank you guys so much tuning into this episode you can follow me on twitter also my personal twitter at jeremy brenner nothing fancy just my name j-e-r-e-m-y-b-r-e-n-e-r thank you guys so much for tuning into this episode of the dream take and until next time go rockets today's episode is brought to you by cars.com with over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you your budget your life your style And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. Hello, I'm Neelai Patel, the editor-in-chief of The Verge and host of Decoder, a business podcast where I interview CEOs about big ideas, the problems that come from those ideas, and how they make decisions. It is also surprisingly about org charts. It comes up a lot. We're launching a new limited series that we're calling the Centennial Series, where I talk to CEOs of companies that are over 100 years old, like Xerox, Barnes & Noble, and more. There's no 100-year-old company that's without its struggles, and it's been fascinating to talk to these CEOs about which parts of these companies' history are important and which parts they can let go. A little spoiler for you, if a company is over 100 years old, there's a lot of drama to talk about. It's been a good time. You can listen to the Centennial series right in the Decoder feed. New episodes of Decoder are out on Tuesday, and the Centennial series is out on Thursdays. Check it out. We think you're really going to like it. You can get it wherever you get your podcasts.